0: I'm James and I'm Paul and you're listening to the newest episode of the commander at arms podcast welcome back so this week we're going to be talking about some of the brand new legendary creatures that just got spoiled in uh Zendikar rising I almost forgot what the set was called then Paul um (laughs) we don't have a play of the game this week but I do want to just uh say something at the start of this episode so I've been having technical if uh, technical difficulties not just with my voice but uh, with the microphone that I was using. Um, this microphone is a completely different one and I am sorry for the audio drop or the audio quality. I've been fiddling with it for the last two days to try and get this to work. Um, I will be trying and getting my old microphone to work again uh, for next week's recording but if you bear with us this one should only be very very temporary. And with that said do we want to get straight into main phase one, Paul? Let's go ahead. All right, cool. Let's jump into it. So we have, I believe, it's thirteen uh legendary creatures we want to talk about today. We're not just going to talk about the creatures. But we're going to talk about cards that go with those creatures. So right now we have uh Tabarax hope's demise so tabarax is a new mono re- uh, mono red wow is a mono black <laughs> commander it's two and a black for a two two legendary demon cleric that has flying that says tabarax hope's demise has lifelink as long as it has five or more plus one plus one counters on it whenever another non-token creature you control dies put a plus one plus one counter on tabarax if that creature was a cleric you may draw a card if you do you lose one life
1: lots of text on this card I decided to ignore the part about clerics because I just felt like when he's at the helm, you can't really play to that end very effectively when you're mono black. Maybe I'm wrong, but I decided to take him in more of a Voltron uh, route. So I've got things like unspeakable symbol in here, which you pay three life. You have to put a plus one plus one counter in something. Uh, Lashrithe and Stratoscythe, which are both uh, mono black equipment. Well, Stratoscythe isn't exclusively mono black, but they both enable a mono black like an equipment uh, strategy. Um, Ayara rewards you for playing mono black by letting you draw cards off of uh, black creatures by sacrificing them. I've got a new card, Vito, in here, just because, you know, when you gain, we'll say a minimum of seven life with Tabarrax, you get to deal another seven, right? Um, if you do want to go with the cleric route, uh, you can just take the easy route and use a card called Conspiracy to do that which basically turns all of your cards into a creature type that you choose when you play it. In this case, you'd probably choose clerics, but maybe you want a couple of brush wags or something. I don't know. Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> Another card that I was just thinking of you could use in this one is because you've got veto in here as well. And it kind of cares about, uh, about life gain. You could use a uh, whip of Erebos because that gives all creatures lifelink as well, as well as like, you know, Vito does it, but that'd be cool. Just smack with everything with, uh, with lifelink there.
1: I thought about that, but, then I considered like everything having lifelink versus just Tabrax who gains it naturally. I don't know. But, um, <clears throat> it's a, it's a toss up for me. Yeah. Uh, Web of Airbus is never bad. I just, you know, I didn't feel oh, like no. it was necessary to mention it.
0: Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so we can move on to the next one. If you want, we also have another uh, mono black commander here to talk about. Uh, it's a character we've, we've seen many, many times. It was actually in the last, I believe she's been in every single Zendikar set. Correct. That is correct. That is Drana, the last blood chief. So Drana, the last blood chief is a three black, black four, four legendary vampire cleric. She has flying and says, whenever Drana, the last blood chief attacks, defending player chooses a non-legendary creature card in your graveyard. You may return that card to the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it. The creature is a vampire in
1: addition to its other types. So... When I first read this card, I mistook it as that creature coming tapped and attacking. That is not the case. It just returns. So I changed around my cards a little bit here when I was making it. Um, I decided, how can you most abuse that ability? And I thought, well, you can put only cards that reanimate other things and big things. That way, no matter what, you're always getting the good end of the bargain.
0: Oh, yeah, so, most
1: definitely. <laughs> uh, I've got cards like Shieldred. Sepulchral Primordial, Puppeteer Click. Um, Those are all cards that you probably know already. Uh, Worm Koi Engine, of course, we've mentioned that card many times already. Uh, There's a couple here you might not know, and I'll talk about those specifically. There's Demon of Death's Gate. Uh, He's got some text on him, but the the most important part is that he's a Flying Trampling Nine-Nine, which is pretty good.
0: I mean, I want to talk about that extra text real quick. (laughs) Because <laughs> it says that you may pay six life and sacrifice three uh three black creatures rather than pay Demon of Death Gates mana cost. Right. six and three black. Yeah, but we're in a 40 uh you know we're in a 40 life uh format here. Six life is practically nothing, especially in a deck that would be able to get like, you know, your life back. That's pretty dang good. And I mean you could always just sack some small little little black token creatures if you wanted to, like say this like, you know, three uh three zombies and six life and get a nine nine Frample on the on the board, that seems like a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and then the other one that you probably don't know is Phyrexian Delver, which is a 3-2 for five. Uh when it ETBs, you get to return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield and you lose life equal to its mana cost. So
0: that's also another really good card.
1: Yeah, so no matter what your in this list I have here, no matter what your opponent's choosing, you're getting some value out of it there's no there's no good choice for them so to speak <laughs>
0: uh you don't want to be giving him like bad choices either you want to be to make sure that your deck is full of full of like big punchy stuff that's going to get other stuff back so if you have nothing else to talk about uh, about drana here we can move on to our third legendary if you like please do yeah cool so the next one The next one's really flavorful and I really love this coming back in a set. It kind of feels like a mechanic we've already seen in in Commander before uh, with one of the other Demir legendaries that you probably have versed or haven't versed out there. If you have, I feel sorry for you. If you haven't, you're not missing out (laughs) on much, honestly. So this is uh, Xerath San, the Trickster. So he is a three blue and a black for a four, four legendary Merfolk rogue has flash, has an activated ability of two blue and a black that says return an unblocked attacking rogue you control to its owner's hand. Put Xerath Sand, the trickster from your hand into the battlefield tapped and attacking. Whenever Xerath Sand deals combat damage to a player, you may put the put target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Now that sounds right. very, very similar to another commander that we've taught that we uh we haven't talked about before, but we have verse, and that is Yuriko uh slashing tiger is her title, I think.
1: I think it's Roaring Tiger.
0: I want to say it's something it's something to do with tigers. <laughs> um, um I've never actually known the title. It's always just been oh, it's Yuriko, and I've gone, oh God. So this is kind of like uh standards way of doing ninjutsu.
1: Right. This is like the fixed. So to speak, it's a it's a it's a rogue enabler, which is something that's seeming to be a little more pushed as of late, especially since they they keyworded mill, because that's yeah. always been kind of a rogue thing. So I'm actually really glad to see them getting some more support and kind of pushing them outwards towards different strategies outside of Mil. Um For anyone that listened to our last episode, this is the card that reanimated permanence repeatedly for no mana. I believe this is the, that that was the, the teaser that this is referring to. Um, so this is fixed ninjutsu. It's only for rogues. So here I have a few rogue enablers and a few spicy little rogues. Uh, agent of treachery is a card you've probably played against. Uh, that happens to be a rogue. And I never knew he a- was a rogue. <laughs> since I never Zara actually Sam, looked at his,
0: at his title. I was uh, at his creature type. I was always like, yeah, agent of treachery. He's a fantastic card. Never went, he's a rogue. And I guess that's what they're kind of doing with this set is because they have the party mechanic, which we will talk about later on in this episode because we have a commander that worries about that party com- uh, that party mechanic.
1: Um. So since Zara Sand lets you pick rogues up back to your hand, you get to play tra- Agent of Treachery again and get its ETB again. Um, Zara Sand wants things in your opponent's graveyard, so I have Balustrade Spy in here, which is a rogue. It's a flying 2-3. Uh, when it ETBs... A uh, target player reveals cards from the top of their deck until they hit a land, and then they mill all those cards. So, it's a decent, repeatable way, with Zareth Sand, to fill up graveyards so you can get some permanence back. Uh, Blighted Agent is a 1-1 infect, unblockable rogue. Uh, Brazen Borrower is a card you've probably seen in Standard. I won't read the whole thing for you. But, um, being able to repeatedly cast the adventure half of it, because you get to bounce it back with your uh, Commander over and over again, is pretty good. Cloak and Dagger is a rogue specific equipment. You get to attach it for free when a rogue ETBs, and it gives plus two plus zero in shroud. So it's essentially not exactly a whisper silk cloak, but it is a second copy of uh, lightning greaves, so to speak, in in, in that particular shell. Dothi embrace is an enchantment that gives a creature shadow for two black, which is essentially unblockable because nobody ever has shadow. And then Door of Destinies, because you get to keep repeatedly casting rogues over and over again, since you bounce them with zareth, and, you know, eventually you have, like, 16-16 rogues. You could do it on, uh, you know, Blighted
0: Agent, who would get a plus from those rogues, then becoming a, you know, sixteen sixteen unblockable infect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you wanted to go that route, I mean, you know, it kind of, I don't like infect as a, like as a win con in, in commander. It kind of feels like a bit of a cop out, but I mean, if you can do it in a flavorful way, I'm totally all about it. And I feel like this is the most flavorful way that I'd ever want to lose to infect, honestly. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, rogues want to use poison. So, I mean, I guess they've got infect and then making it so that door of destinies makes the, uh, the the blighted agent huge could be a lot of fun so moving on we can talk about the next uh the next legendary creature that we got in uh in this set and this is actually again if you listened to the last episode this is the this is the card that had the the new mana symbols well not new mana symbols but the mana symbols that we'd only ever seen on two cards and I want to say that Paul we got this one correct again didn't we
1: yeah, I think the whole world did, though. This one this one was yeah. shot called around the globe. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> if you didn't get this one, then you obviously don't know what the Reaper King does. So this is Tazri, Beacon of Unity. Tazri, Beacon of Unity is a four and a white for a four six human warrior that says this spell costs one less for, uh, to cast for each creature in your party. Has an activated ability of two or a blue two and a black two and a red two and a two or a green look at the top six cards of your library you may reveal up to two cleric rogue warrior wizard or end or ally cards from among them and put them onto the battlefield oh uh, sorry not on the battlefield sorry that'd be broken uh put them into your hand then put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order so the creatures that make up your party are those specific ones that we that we just uh mentioned in her activated ability so it's the uh it's the Cleric, Warrior, Rogue, Wizard. So if you have up to one of any of those, you can get a four uh, four CMC discount on this card. So this is, then she just becomes one generic, one, one white and command attacks to come out.
1: And Tazri is a four six. Also really interesting about this card. Um, she says you can get allies. But Tazri is not an ally herself, and there are no allies in this set, which means this is gonna, that's a creature type that is not even in standard. And this card is going to be in standard, which I thought was weird when I first read this card. That's because that means this card that- is, is built for
0: commander, Paul. <laughs> I know, and I was just going to say. We are all about
1: commander. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, somebody on the other side in Watsy R&D is uh, looking out for us.
0: Yeah, it's, it's Gavin. It's It's got to be Gavin. He's just like, <laughs> no, put allies on there. Because, I mean, allies are really huge in the old, in like Battle for Zendikar and Oath of Gatewatch. It was literally like uh, uh, Eldrazi versus allies. Shout out to uh, the top eight being, top eight of, of, of that year being nothing but Eldrazi decks. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but also Tazri is a warrior in herself. So, I mean- She kind of helps herself, kind of, by being a warrior. So, I mean, she's fun. She's cool. I would totally build this deck.
1: I probably wouldn't. Um, It's a little linear for me. So here I have Mirror Entity, which, again, that's a pretty common card. So I don't need to read that one. Illusionist Bracers, so you can double up Tazri's activated ability. So for a blue, black, red, and a green, you're getting four creatures off the top of your deck instead of just two, which is pretty good and descendants path because you're going to have so many different types of creatures but they are going to share types that you get to get free creatures off the top. Um again, it's a pretty linear strategy in my opinion. You're basically just smashing a bunch of <laughs> clerics and rogues and warriors together. Um you could probably and we'll see what happens when the new D&D set comes out, you might be able to make like a nice D&D flavored deck with Tazri for that reason, you know, with the party mechanic.
0: Don't already still my theme, bro. that's what i was gonna do it was gonna be like this whole like like it was gonna have as many adventure cards as i could so my cards went on adventures and then they came back and it was like this giant party kind of (laughs) thing i think tazri is going to be a very uh like entry level a really good entry level commander because like you said it is very uh it's on rails essentially but i mean I came into this game and my very first commander deck that I that I built from scratch was of the Gravetide and we know how <laughs> unlinear that deck can be, so I just <laughs> I was struggling with my deck building abilities at the start, um, of my commander career to like actually build good synergistic decks before I found that there were commanders on rails. Um, <laughs> so I went from building, you know, my, I went from building Muldrotha to my second deck, which, uh, I mean, it was gear ed, but let's not talk about that. It was the Taser deck again, way back so far back in episode you know five or six or so I said I never talk about it again but here I am now episode 21 talking about it again it was my first like non uh, it was my first on rails commander and um as much as on rails as that one can be um but I feel like you know Tazri could be that that very good like entry level commander for, for for new players who want to get into the format and have just this really powerful mishmash of different creature types to be able to play
1: I I hate to slap the term entry level on a five color commander because mana bases can get confusing, but the actual strategy is definitely on the simpler side, because like I said, you just get to smash a bunch of different creatures together and then, you know, call it good.
0: I mean, not so much. Okay. So like as much as entry levels as I can say, but I mean, it's, it's not hard. It's not hard making you go into like colors to activate her abilities. You can use colorless. So, I mean, that's true. It's flavorful in the way that, you know, like you want to be, you want to be able to get stuff off the top of your library and you can probably play with like with a lot of the cards from this set, as well as like battle for Zendikar and original Zendikar and everything else in between that is, you know, a rogue, cleric, warrior, wizard, or ally. Um, So you don't actually have to go into those colors. She seems like, uh, like casting cost wise, a little bit easier than... Golos because I mean Golos makes you be in those colors specifically to activate his ability whereas this can you can use a soul ring to pay for this
1: you know yeah but Golos is also quite a bit more powerful than this
0: I'm not saying no I'm not saying that at all like Golos is like definitely stronger than this but I mean I'm just saying like the activated ability on Golos is specifically two and Wuburg so you have to care about your colors a little bit more there whereas you don't really have to worry about your colors as much with Tazri
1: Oh, well, insofar as you still need white to cast her.
0: Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course you still need white, but I mean, you can get away with, like, activating her ability with some mana rocks.
1: That is a good point. I didn't think about that. I forgot her ability was hybrid. But you That's still okay. need okay. mana to cast the things that you get.
0: Yes, very true. <laughs> very true. I'm not saying, like, oh, just build rocks and you'll be fine. You still have to worry about your mana base, like... A little bit but you don't need like all the shocks and the fetches and like you can you can build a budget ba- a budget mana base around this commander and you could be totally fine
1: all right i think uh i think we're good to go ahead and move on from there
0: yeah so the next one we're going to talk about is uh linvala Hello, the police are back. (laughs) So, (laughs) Linvala, Shield of Seagate is our next commander we're going to talk about, and she is a 1, white, and a blue for a 3-3 angel wizard with flying. At the beginning of your combat on your turn, if you have a full party, choose target non-land permanent and opponent controls until your next turn. It can't attack or block, and its it's activated abilities can't be activated. Sacrifice Linvala, Choose hexproof or indestructible creatures you control gain that ability until end of turn.
1: Okay. So similar to Tabarax, I decided to ignore that middle part on her that basically gives her like a, a detain. Um, I just didn't think that that was that interesting or in blue and white, I thought that the full party would be a little harder to come across. So I decided to key in on that last part, which is extremely powerful. You get to sacrifice Linvala, and you get to give your creatures hexproof or indestructible you choose. Um, those are both very powerful keywords for obvious reasons, and I thought, hmm, well, what if we had a way to get Linvala back constantly to really just annoy the hell out of our opponents and make them just not want to play anymore? That'd be cool. That'd be fun for me. That's not fun. That's cold stacks. <laughs> um, so I have a few cards here that all do just that. I have brought back here, which is from M twenty. It's pretty recent. Uh, you get to take two permanents that went to the graveyard uh, that turn, and you get to bring them back to the battlefield tapped. Uh, I got Gift of Immortality, which is I hate saying old card on a card that I literally started playing with because it makes me feel like I've been playing for way too long. You but have been Gift playing, of playing for way too long <laughs> Gifts of Immortality from OG Theros, uh, when the enchanted creature dies, you get to return it under your control and then Gifts of Immortality comes back again at the instant attached to it. And then a very old one from Urza Saga Lifeline, which is a card that is <laughs> uh, it's a rules nightmare. Because if creatures go to the graveyard at the same time, you have to keep track of timing. I don't know. It's weird. But ideally, you can just sacrifice Lundvala to anything and Lifeline brings it back at the end step, for free, you don't even have to do anything, it's a 5 mana colourless artifact, no colour requirements, you just get to do that, card's busted.
0: And, I mean, like, you don't have to sacrifice it anything, you can just sacrifice it to itself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, you, could, you can sacrifice it in response to being targeted with something, or like in combat, you'd be like, oh, I'll block all this, and you're like, okay, I'll just sacrifice Linvala, give all of my stuff indestructible, and hey look, she's back now.
1: And uh, honestly, it sounds like fun to me. It
0: does actually. Uh, <laughs> I did build a. I did build a. Uh, I built a Lavinia deck. It was the same colors. I know this is Linvala. Um, but I mean, that was very much like trying to control the board and control everything what everyone else is doing. And this kind of feels like that to me. And it could be a lot of fun to play. Um, you know, I do need a new Azorius deck to play, and this could be the new commander for it. For that. So, in saying that that's our main phase one let's pass it over our combat and we'll sacrifice linvala and give everything indestructible and we'll swing out for the win and we will see you for main phase two after this short ad break Welcome back from that ad roll. Uh, I hope you had fun there. Listen to all of our fantastic sponsorships and our ads and uh, happy to move on through to main phase two, where we're going to start off and kick things off with uh, Yashan. So we went from kind of like a Staxi policing commander to a, uh Another Staxian policing commander. (laughs) So, Yeshan Implaceable Earth is two green and a white for a 4 4 legendary elemental ball that says when Yashan enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic forest card and a basic plains card, reveal those cards and put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Players can't pay life or sacrifice non land permanence to cast spells or activated
1: abilities. Sorry, Um,
0: activate abilities.
1: Right. Um, So, this has been seen. This exact text, I'm pretty sure, on Angel of Jubilation, which is a white, non-legendary angel. Um, you've probably seen her running around in some mono-white bills in your meta or whatever, but Yasharn is uh, the same thing, essentially, just on a big old boar. Um, that won't I get thought- boring. <laughs> uh, ha, ha. Uh, um, so I thought the best way to build Yasharn is just, you know, himself as a prison guy or a stacks dude. So, um we got Linval, keeper of silence here, uh Teague, just, you know, very popular stacks uh creatures that prevent your opponents from doing things that they want to do, which is, you know, how you have fun, right? You have fun by not letting anybody else have fun. And uh, a card you may or may not be aware of, James was not, so I I thought that maybe no there are more people that are not aware of it, but Uh, There's a card called Choke. There's a green enchantment. Uh, Islands don't untap during their controllers on tap steps. One of the worst fears of green is counter spells and stuff because you don't really have good ways around that. And, uh, well, you just got to make sure they don't happen again.
0: (laughs) And this is going to do that for you as well. And, I mean, this is from 8th edition. So, I mean... Unless you've been like wanting to play around islands for a while, you probably don't know what this card does, or even if it existed. So I mean, I mean, there's cards that I should have known that existed that I've gone, that's actually a card, like the card Switcheroo. No idea that was a card until the other day.
1: <laughs> so do you um, want to stick
0: on this on this like green kind of trend that we're going on right now, and go to the next commander, or do you have anything else you wanted to say about Yashan?
1: Nah,
0: I mean his text has
1: it all really. So
0: pretty much so let's move on to the next one this is another uh this is a mono green this time instead of being spliced with white so uh a shire soul oh so yeah a shire soul of the wild is a three green green x oh sorry star star power and toughness l uh sorry legendary elemental uh so a shire soul of the world's Wow, I'm messing this up completely. Ashaya's <laughs> Soul of the Wild's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. Non-token creatures you control are forest
1: types in addition to their other types. Right. So the fact that it makes your non-token creatures lands can lead to some interesting interactions with certain cards. Namely, you have Leyline of Abundance that will make them tap for two green, and it's kind of an anthem effect. You get to put plus one, plus one counters and everything. Uh, you've got Baru, Fist of Krosa, which now he normally only when a forest comes into play, your green creatures get plus one, plus one in trample. But that means that it's any of your creatures now, because they're all forests. Um, you have Nissa, who shakes the world, that makes your forest tap for an additional green. That's all well and cool, but how can we really abuse the fact that your creatures are lands, right? Well, what if you have things that destroy non-land permanents, and you make just this one-sided board wipe? So I've got a couple things in here that do that. I've got Boom Pile, uh, one of the funniest names for a card, that, in my opinion. Um, you tap it to flip a coin. If you win the flip, destroy all non-land permanents. And then you've got Oblivion Stone, which does the same thing, except it's just 5-mana tap and sack. And you get to keep all of your guys, except for Ashaya. Ashaya will die. But because your guys are lands, they don't die, because they're they're not non-land permanents anymore. So you get to keep everything. But everybody else is sad, because they lose all their creatures.
0: Man, asymmetrical board wipes. They're the worst.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Trying to find the next one after that. So let's go to the next commando, if you have nothing else to say about nah, Chaya. That's it. No, I'm all set. Cool. Cool. So the next one I'm going to talk about is a commander. Uh, this could be, this one seems like a lot of fun. Uh, he's a vampire rogue. So that's, uh, Zagoras. Z- Zagoras, thief of heartbeats. He's a four black and a red for a four four legendary vampire rogue that says this spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. He has flying death touch haste. Other creatures you control have death touch. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker.
1: Um, This interaction of basically death touch for planeswalkers is a newish one that they've started experimenting with to make planeswalkers, planeswalkers a little more interactable. Um, I decided to key in on the other creatures you control have death touch part of this card, having that effect accessible in the command zone makes certain cards a lot better because you have a consistent way to give your creatures death touch. So cards like Goblin Chain Whirler become a one-sided board, wipe.
0: (laughs) Can we just stop here for a second and just say that Goblin Chain Whirler uh, Whirler becomes like an MVP in this deck? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because absolutely. we had this, we had, we had Goblin Chain Whirler on like in our like budget combo, uh, with, is it, what was the card again? I don't
1: like it was one from my core, yeah.
0: yeah. it was. It was, it was, the, it was the recursion one that, you know, you got it back from the graveyard and gave a death touch. This just Zagros makes it better because it gives a death touch, but it also gives a death touch for planeswalkers and Goblin Chain Whirler hits your, hits your opponent's planeswalkers. So if someone's playing super friends, Hello, super friends,
1: board wipe. So, unfortunately, Zagris says specifically when they deal combat damage to the planeswalker, so it's not straight up death touch. So, Chain would not actually kill the uh, planeswalkers.
0: Don't harsh my vibe, bro. <laughs> I was having so much fun th- living in this fantasy world where ch- ch- uh, Goblin Chainweller was just this huge MVP. Don't make me read cards and have to explain them what they do. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I've also got a Goblin Sharpshooter in here which it's a pinger, but it gets to untap when something dies. So when that has death touch, you get to just machine gun fire off and kill everything on the board that you want. I um, also got massacre worm in here because there's going to be a lot of stuff dying ideally from your pingers and your chain whirlers, since everything has death touch. And uh, you get to punish people for, uh, you know, well, basically playing the game. And what's more fun in magic than punishing people for playing the game? Um, not punishing people for playing the game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you and I play Magic differently.
0: Letting people <laughs> have fun and play Magic? That's how I like to play Magic. Not all the time. Not, not when I pull out my Tulane deck and it's like, oh, hey, hello, Drenath Magistrate. You now can't play your Commander. W- whoops. <laughs> all right. So moving on from Zagoras, we have our next Commander and... This is what we call this, Paul, but I think so did the world as well. Uh, and that is Omnath Locus of Creation. So Omnath Locus of Creation is the brand new four colored Omnath. We thought this was going to be the hybrid symbols, but he is just straight uh, red, green, white, blue for a 4-4 legendary creature elemental that says when Omnath Locus of Creation enters the battlefield, draw a card. He also has a landfall and his landfall trigger is whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life if this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, add uh, red, green, white and blue. If it's the third time Omnath deals 4 damage to each opponent and each Planeswalker you don't control.
1: So ideally you want to get up to that third one and there are a lot of ways to do that. I didn't, I didn't really spend much time thinking about this but uh, there's a card called Burgeoning which whenever an opponent plays a land you get to put a land from your hand into play and there's a special little land called Ghost Town which is a spicy little land that you get to pay you get to pay zero man, you just get to bounce it back to your hand, but only on other people's turns. It is a so, powerhouse. Um with Ghost Town, you get to, you know, burgeoning, take Ghost Town back to your hand, and then, you know, play it again and you gain the four life. Uh there's a counter spell called Deprive, which lets you bounce a land back to your hand. So you get to play another land with Omnath. Um Obviously, you're going to want all the extra land players in here. I didn't list those here because there's too many of them. And that would be extremely redundant. So, um, the Omnath has four colors. There's a lot of ways to go. You can just go nuts with them. Um, your goal was to get up to that third uh, landfall trigger each turn. So you're dealing about 16 uh, per, per go, per cycle. Uh, I've got Expedition Map here, obviously, because you want to search out your important lands. But other than that, like, you know, you can bust this guy in half, play Summer Bloom, you know, call it a day.
0: Yeah. If you really wanted to win more, you could always flicker him with a couple of uh, flicker spells. So then he gets a reset on those, uh, on those three on your turn. So if you have ways of like being able to flicker him, even in other people's turns, you could get up to the three with ghost town. If you're bursting like another, like a landfall deck or a a lands matter deck, you know, you can ghost town it back to your hand a couple of times, flicker him, get those three again, do it again. I mean, there is just a way to win and win more with this, with this Omnath. he's, He's nuts. He's crazy. So, Paul. We're yes. going to go to Gruul. Okay. Let's go to let's go to Gruul for a second. Let's let, let's touch on that Gruul ter- territory. Avenger Zendikar is a cool card, right? I agree. What okay. if you had Avenger What if you had Avenger Zendikar but slightly different in your command zone?
1: Well, that sounds like it would be pretty good.
0: Then you'd be playing Phylath, uh, <laughs> World Sculptor. So Philath World Sculptor is a four red and a green for a five five legendary elemental that says when Phylath, World Sculptor enters the battlefield, create a zero one green plant creature token for each basic you control. And he has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put four plus one plus one counters on target plant you control. So notice there are some there are some key differences between Avenger of Zendikar and this bad boy, um, which doesn't make this any worse, but it doesn't really make it definitely makes it a Voltron-y kind of commander instead of a go wide
1: card. Um, yeah. Uh, Phyllath. So obviously it's basics instead of each land, and you basically just stack up one plant instead of so you go tall instead of going wide, which is fine honestly because. Getting a five-five combined with even if you just get one plan, a four-five, right, for seven mana essentially, because you have to play the land. That's pretty good, honestly. That's that's uh, nine ten in stats for seven. Like you would play a seven mana nine ten. Oh yeah, <laughs> even even if it was just a basic vanilla creature, you'd still play it. And this being accessible constantly in the command zone is also. It, it it gives it a slight edge over uh, Avengers endender because you obviously you have constant access to that effect and being in gruel you get access to a little a little bit of uh spicy you know tech cards here i don't have much of that spicy tech but i do have typical things that you would want to run and you know a plus one plus one counter theme thing i've got doubling season uh primal vigor and hardened scales which you know those all increase the amount of plus one plus one counters you get if you have Primal Vigor out, you get twice the tokens, and whichever token you buff, instead of getting four plus one plus one counters, it gets eight. So now you have an eight nine instead of that four five. Uh, I also have Grumgully the Generous, which makes each other non-human creature you control into the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter. So this is kind of like your backup one-time Avenger of Zendikar, because the plants will all come in as one twos, and then after that, you have to do the hard- the heavy lifting. Um, but I actually think Phylath will be a very powerful deck, like high, high tier two, maybe mid tier two. But you um, could also
0: run, you could run Avengers Endercar in this deck as well.
1: Oh yeah. 100%. And then
0: like get two landfall triggers, put plus, you know, put four one, one counters on one of your plants and then put a plus one on all of your plants. And that way you're going wide and tall. And then you're just a right. big boy like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right, so moving on, we're going to talk about a, another commander here we, we we went to Gruul. let's go over to Orzov and see what Orzov's doing. So Ozov have a new commander. He's actually the buyer box promo for this set, and that is Aura Skyclave Hierophant. He's a two white and a black for a 3-3 three, three core cleric that has lifelink. Whenever Aura Skyclave Hierophant or another cleric you control dies, returns like a cleric card with lesser converted mana cost uh, from your graveyard to the battlefield.
1: This is a cleric version of card that I'm forgetting the name of. There's a three mana artifact creature that does the same thing, but with artifacts specifically. Can't remember his name. Uh, it's but decision, at any
0: if you know what that card is.
1: <laughs> uh, at any rate, this is one that I had trouble like really imagining what the build would be only because it's so specific. Like You play clerics, the clerics die. You get more clerics, play those clerics, they die get more clerics, repeat and go on and so on and so forth. You know, uh, I do have a couple of cards here, just key ones. Uh, for most of this list, I tried to avoid newer cars just because we haven't seen them all yet. And I kind of wanted to focus on older cars that people might not be aware of the interaction. Um, I do have two here that are newer. Or well, they're they're new, they're going to be in Zendikar. I have cleric of vice Bond, which. Uh, you gain life whenever another cleric enters the battlefield under your control, and whenever you gain life, you get it gets a plus one plus one counter. So it's essentially a an Johnny's Pride made for clerics specifically. And Angel of Destiny, which is the white win automatically card that they uh, that Mara had teased uh, last week,
0: nailed it. By the way,
1: <laughs> uh, it happens to be a cleric. Um, I'm sure everybody's seen that card by now, so I'm not going to read all the text, but. Um, it is a flying double striker, and if you have at least 15 more life than your starting total, uh, at the beginning of your end step, each player that it attacked loses the game. And you're going to be gaining a lot of life, ideally, with Wara because he you lets know, you gain life by getting clerics back that gain you life, I suppose. <laughs> um, I've got Rodlung Reanimator in there, which makes two twos when clerics die, and I've got Patriarch's Bidding, which you choose a cre- each player chooses a creature type. You're going to choose clerics and you get all those creatures from your graveyard back to the battlefield. This is a card all the way back from onslaught. So some people may not be aware of this card. It is a little on the expensive side, but if you're in a tribal strategy that involves black, it's a very nice tool to have at your disposal. Essentially a one-sided living death, even though that card is usually one-sided anyway.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I had that card resolved on me once and they were like living death. How many cards in your graveyard? And I was like zero. <laughs> and no cards in Graveyard. I was like, oh, feels bad. <laughs> so the Ozlov seem to be doing okay. They've got Cleric Tribal. Wait, do you hear that? I feel like there's some explosions in the background. Is that? Is it? Do you want to go to, over to the it Laboratories and see what they're doing?
1: Wow. Let's go over there real quick. James did not practice so, that uh, one with me, by the way. So that response was genuine.
0: <laughs> so it has a new commander and it seems like a lot of fun. It's a Kaza Royal Chaser. Kaza Royal Chaser is blue and a red and that's it. For a 1-2 legendary human wizard with flying and haste, has an activated ability of tap. The next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less to cast where X is the number of wizards you control as this ability resolves.
1: Um, there's not much to say about this die, this, uh, this, 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 homie, Kaza, you just want to play some big old spells and you want to play them cheap. Uh, you want ways to untap it so you can double down on that. So I've got Freed from the Reel in here. Uh, I've got Docent to Perfection, which makes you wizards when you cast your instant sorceries. I've got a couple X burn spells in here like Comet Storm and Fireball. Uh, I've got Rite of Replication in here because casting that kick for just two blue would be pretty good. I've got Time Stretch in here. It's two blue and eight. Or ideally in this deck, it'll be just two blue to take two extra turns. Um, You just want to play all those big fat spells that you didn't think you could play before. And I actually just realized that Scour from Existence, which is seven colorless for an instant to exile target permanent, should probably be in this deck as well. Because Because because
0: you could tap a Shire and then- oh, sorry, not a Shire. Wow, wrong commander there, James. (laughs) You could tap Kaza and then it becomes free?
1: Zero. Right. And it's any permanent. So you get to do lands. You get to do enchantments, which blue and red typically have trouble dealing with. So that should probably be in here as well.
0: Definitely should be in there. Most definitely. <laughs> so we only have one more guy to talk about. And I say that because he's he's a big old beater. He's got some big old horns. He's probably knocking on the door actually right now. So that's Morag <laughs> Fury of Akum. Morag Fury of Vacuum. when that got spoiled, I was already in the ways of like building a Minotaur tribal like theory, a de- theory crafting on a Minotaur tribal deck with one of the uh, Minotaurs from Jumpstart, uh, mainly because I found the card, you know, there's another, there's, there's a couple cards in there that, to, to why I made it. And then this guy got spoiled and I was like, holy dang, I need this card. He's a four red red for a six, six Minotaur warrior that says each time you control, uh, sorry, each creature you control Uh, I'm going to start that again. (laughs) Each creature you control gets a plus one plus zero for each time it is attacked, attacked. This turn has landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control. If it's your main phase, there is an additional combat phase after this phase at the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. How did we break this card, Paul?
1: So as soon as I saw this card, I literally went straight to architect and built a full list. Um, maybe I'll make that public on the page, or maybe we'll talk about it later. It's definitely not within our usual budget. If you do want to see that, uh, just let, let us know and I'll, I'll be happy to talk about it. Uh, I just didn't want to put something out there that wasn't in our usual, you know, standards. Um, but Morag, the way we broke this is, well, obviously you just want to play a bunch of lands, right? But Paul, you might ask. Um, it's a landfall trigger and there's, it doesn't give you an additional main phase. It's just straight into combat. So you go from combat to combat. So how do you play lands during combat? Well, viewer or listener, I have the answer for you. Uh, It's called scare tiller, which is a four mana artifact creature. Don't don't really care about the power and toughness. The important part is that when it becomes tapped, you get to put a land from your hand onto the battlefield. And you, you can also get one from your Graveyard instead to the Battlefield Tap. So if you have fetch lands or anything, if you already own those, um, you can throw them in here, and obviously you can go Hamhawks, right? One fetch land is two extra Combats. But Paul, you might ask again, <laughs> um, the lands come into play tapped. So how are you supposed to keep getting them into play? Uh, well, there's a couple uh, little workarounds we have for that. One, we have Storm Cauldron which lets you play an additional land, or each player play an additional land, sure. But whenever a land is tapped for mana, you get to return it to your hand. Right? Or whoever tapped it gets to return it to their hand. But Paul, you might ask, the land is tapped. How can you tap it for mana to get it back to your hand? Well, listener, check this out. Amulet of Vigor is a one-mana artifact that makes tap things come into play. Well, when they come into play, they they get untapped. So with Scare Tiller, Storm Cauldron, Amulet Vigor, you get to keep putting the same land into play over and over again, even during combat, which means that Morag gets the trigger over and over and over and over. But Paul, you might ask, what if they block and kill Morag or Scare And I have the answer for you. There is a two mana artifact called Dolmen Gate, which prevents all combat damage that would be dealt to attacking creatures you control. And if you say my name again after that, I'm not responding.
0: But Paul, <laughs> <laughs> what about the, lo- what about the other card that's in this, in this list here?
1: Uh, that was just for a little bit of value. I've got Myriad landscape in here, which with Morag is, of course, another two combat steps, possibly three. If you play another land that turn, which, you know, attacking with a seven, six, then a nine, six, and then a 12, a six, and then a 16, six seems pretty good. Are you doubling those counters?
0: How are you getting that math?
1: I mean, because it, it gets plus one plus zero for each time it attacked. So, yeah,
0: so, it'd be a, so it'd be a seven, and then an eight, and then a
1: nine. No, and each then time ten. it is attacked. So after it's oh. attacked twice, it gets plus two plus zero. After it attacks three oh, times, it gets plus three plus man. zero. Oh <laughs> man.
0: Oh my lord. But I mean, with, you know, Amulet of Vigor, which can come down turn one, you could get, you know, Myriad Landscape then just becomes so much better, because it comes in tapped, untapped, you can then tap, you know, sa- uh, sorry, tap two, sacrifice, go get two basic lands tapped, they come in untapped again, play another land, that's three combats, that's just- this dude's just crazy, he wants I to know. smash through- Okay, if they put Kool-Aid Man into Magic the Gathering, this would be the Kool-Aid
1: Man. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, might, that might be a good alter idea. You got someone to it (laughs) for you.
0: Hashtag not sponsored by Kool Aid yet. (laughs) And that's it. That's all of the cards that we wanted to talk about to you, uh, talk about with you uh, on this episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. Again, I want to thank you for getting this far in the episode, and I want to apologise for the uh, for my audio quality. Um, You know, just whatever the editor does with it, he makes it always sound fantastic and we love his work. Um, I'm just dealing with some subpar, uh, or audi- uh, some subpar, you know, hardware at the moment. And that's all I want to say about it, but you can talk to us. You can hit us up on our Twitter. We have all of our links for everything in our Twitter and our Twitter handle is Paul
1: CMDR at arms. I've Excellent. been posting you some can... uh I've been posting some more interactive stuff on there, some questions for the public and I've had a couple people respond. Um namely I've had Sam from the Commander Crunch podcast. He responded to the last question I put up. So uh shout out to them. Please go check them out if you can cuz uh there's some really cool people we've been chit-chatting with them a little bit. And uh hopefully we can uh maybe jam some games with them at some point. That would be awesome.
0: Or we have the uh, the Instagram. The Instagram is commander.at.arms or just arms in the search bar. And I've been doing crack a pack and I've been currently out of packs lately. So, I mean, I will get on there <laughs> and I'll crack some more packs very soon. But go check out those episodes on there. They're very short. They're very fun. Go see what I pulled. Go and have a look. Check it out. Like it tweet at us uh from there from wherever just mingle with us and do whatever you want i mean we've got the email address which is commander at arms uh at, what is it commander at arms pod at gmail.com give us your deck submissions episode ideas have a good old chat with us on there as well if you email us we will email you back if you want to support the show directly we've got patreon.com commander at arms we have three tiers on there go check that out go support us we love you we love all of our patrons we hit them up whenever we can we post new stuff in there all all the time, go check it out. And with that, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And we are the Commander at Arms podcast. We will see you soon.